Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here this morning. Y'all are awesome. <laughs> I, I really uh, enjoy, enjoy, I've only been here for uh, an hour. <laughs> um, I came here once before, I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019. Uh, came here once before and, and enjoyed being here and then was looking forward to being here again in January, even though the roads would have been a little bit different. <laughs> um, but I recorded a message, um, so hopefully you enjoyed that. <laughs> but um, just, y'all are great, and it's just, it's an honor to be to be with you. I, I love the church. Um, I, I spoke, the first message I ever spoke about 22 years ago, I hope that there's not a copy of it anywhere. Uh, but but it was out of um, John chapter um, John John 17 when Jesus is in the garden and he prays uh, that all that would believe in him through the disciples that all who would believe in him would be one so that the world will believe Jesus says so the world will, will believe that you sent me speaking to the Father and and from my very first time to speak publicly um, I, I wasn't the most they, they asked me earlier if I move around a lot. Uh, I don't <laughs> move, move, move around a lot. I'm not, I'm not the most exuberant person. Uh, I tend to be more monotone in my speaking. Um, but I just, something caught in me that if we as Christ followers could be one, Jesus says the world will believe. Like something about us being one, whatever that looks like. And it, it's not that we're all one organization or even one denomination or, or one church, but we are one church, capital C church, um, across, across time, across the globe, across the counties, and, and, and really that we are, we are one together, and that's, that's our heart, and you know, he, he mentioned I'm the pastor at New Testament Church in Messina, and I just want to clarify that I do read the Old Testament as well. Uh, we're not just the New Testament, <laughs> New Testament church, uh, but we do want to be continuing the work in, in the book of Acts and, and the church and the early church. And, and, but I do read the whole thing <laughs> and do preach out, of, preach out of the whole thing. But Mosaic, I, I love the name. I actually, um, I, I worked, my wife, I met my wife when I was in school out in Oregon and lived in Oregon for a season and uh, was actually on staff at a Mosaic church in Oregon. Uh, a church called Mosaic. It was, uh, um, uh, what was the denomination? Christian and Missionary Alliance was, was the denomination um, of that particular Mosaic in Portland, Oregon, and a great church. I'm still, um, love to follow them, and there's another church in LA called Mosaic. I'm sure there's mosaics all over, but it, it's because really it's a beautiful, um, an illustration of what we are, you know, that we are, we come together in, in who we are and, and even, uh, it's, I've heard it phrased, that in all of our brokenness and when, when we are come together and we're pieced together and we're put together and God's light shines through, that it creates a beautiful picture. And even, you know, in all of us, we come from our various places and various situations and various levels of brokenness and, and humility and, and growth, but together, uh, we're, we're more beautiful together, I guess is, I guess is the point. Um, so I love that. Well, Northern New York, even though I, I lived in Oregon, I was born in California, I have family all over the place, but this is home. <laughs> Nor Northern New York is home, and I, you know, one thing that I love about where we live 
is the seasons. Do you like seasons or do you just tolerate them? <laughs> I love them. I, I love them. Um, my wife and I disagree over heat uh, levels. Um, she really likes to be warm. I don't particularly, I guess our definition of warm is, is relative. Um, she's always cold and I'm always hot. So July is not my favorite month <laughs> in the world. Uh, but but she, she, she wears a sweater in July and I just wear shorts and a t-shirt most of the time. Pants is very unusual for me during the, during the summer. Um, but I, I survive, but I love um, the rhythms of, of, our, of our world, the rhythms of creation, the rhythms that we see of, of life, you know, and, and just in the natural world of, of trees, of leaves shedding, and then coming back in the spring and, and all of that. And just the, the opportunity for fresh starts, the opportunity for new beginnings, the opportunity to, to leave the past in the past and to look to the future. And I wanna dare say to create the future because where we're at right now is not where we were and it's not necessarily where we're going that we have an opportunity to, I'm gonna use the word, create the future. And I, I used to be very uncomfortable with that word when speaking of the future, creating the future. That felt very, um, I don't know, I felt like too bold for me <laughs> to think of, of creating the future. But the more that I read the scriptures and the more that I'm, I'm, I grow and, and hopefully mature a little bit, um, the more that I see that it is our commission to create the future. Because, you know, God puts Adam and Eve in the garden and he says, go and be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, subdue it, depending on what translation you're reading. And, and he says, go and extend the garden to everywhere. And even when Jesus' last words in the book of Matthew, when he says, go and make disciples, he gives us a job to do. He, he's given, God gives Abraham a job to do. God gives all of us a, a job to do. And it's something that he wants to do to expand what he's, what he's doing, what he's doing in you. He wants to see expanded into the world around you. And so there is, there is a sense that we, we have a responsibility to, to shape the future because the future is being shaped by many people. The future is being shaped right now by guys like Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and, and all the other things that are happening in our world. But we have the, the ability to either just let them shape our future or whether we can take responsibility for our future and, and, and influence it. That, that's on all of us, not just those, those, those big guys. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, a familiar passage, but it says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is thy faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. It's almost like each morning we have the opportunity to seize the day, to, to take responsibility. And I, I really enjoy um, reading biographies, mostly autobiographies, and I also really enjoy audiobooks where the author reads it. And just to hear the stories of people and, and the challenges and the life and the journey. Because we, sometimes we look at somebody and we're like, man, they're just, they're, something, they're just so great. But then you hear the story and you see that there's, it's just like everybody else, how they, they process through uh, pain and difficulty and setbacks. And, and yeah, maybe they find unusual success in, in an area. But when you really dive into the story, it's just so much more interesting to see, you know, how people got where they are, 
how we got where we are. And even when we look back, I know, on our own lives and we see how I got to today, you know, and, and, the, and the, various, the various pieces of that. And there's times when we, when we reflect on that, very special times like when a baby is born, you know, and we get to see like, and how did we get to this stage? <laughs> how did we get to this moment? Or, or as even in times of, of great loss and a dear friend of mine, a, a member of our church passed away on Friday and it just is those moments, even as we're going to celebrate him and have the funeral this week where we reflect back on, you know, what on the life. We reflect back on how we got to today and try to le learn from that and, and celebrate various parts of that and learn from parts of that and, and lean into the future to not take moments for granted. We were... We were supposed to to make the most of every moment to ha to look at every every moment and really to see the potential in in all of us you know if we if we take seriously what god says about us god says that you and i and all of us and everyone that you come across is made in the image and likeness of god and we were made in the image and likeness of our creator that god is a creator god and he's and he's doing something he did something amazing and we're created to be like him to do things like him and so we're supposed to create we're supposed to build we're supposed to steward we're supposed to mow the lawn we're supposed to organize things put ingredients together and we do that all the time in, in little ways but we can do that also in big ways and, and in ways that change the world around us we read this passage a few moments ago james chapter 1 uh, beginning in verse 2, is, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, I know Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. I, I think we can all testify to that. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Thanks, James. <laughs> for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Uh, kind of contradictory thoughts. You'll be perfect and comp complete, needing nothing when you have your endurance grow. Not when you get handed something more, but when you process through what you're going through and get a different perspective on it, James says, you'll need nothing. I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. My wife and I made a couple of decisions last year that disrupted our lives. <laughs> we um, have three children. Uh, my, my oldest, my daughter, is 17. Asher back there is 14. And my son, other son, Abel, is 10. And last year, we made a couple of decisions. We, we have, we have a, a beautiful little dog. I never wanted a little dog, but when, now that I have one, I love my little, <laughs> my, my little dog. She's a Cocker Spaniel miniature poodle mix. And she was, last year, she was about seven years old, and she's just the perfect dog. I don't even have to think about her. She just does, she's perfect. Well, why did we think we needed another dog? <laughs> and, <laughs> and we added a puppy, a much larger uh, breed. She's a, she's a standard poodle. Uh, I had some friends that were, that had a litter, and this one came available, and she looked really cute. And she is really cute, but man, that just shook up our, our, our home. And uh, yeah, and she, she's got some, some quirks and some issues and we're starting to work those out a little bit. She's over a year old now and she's doing much better, but 
it really shook up our home, and uh, it may sound silly, but it really shook up our home. Uh, we also, last year, um, opened up our home uh, to two foster children. In, in January, had, had a couple foster kids come into our home, and that really shook up our home. You know, it, it, it's been quite a journey, and we, we only have one of them right now. Um, one, of, one of the children is still with us. He's been with us for a year and a half, and, and talk about, like, you want to challenge your, your parenting, add, add a kid into, into the mix, and it just it, it shows me all the ways in which I still need to grow. It shows me all the ways in which I still need to learn patience, and I still need to, to practice the things that I, that I, that I preach. Um, but really shook up our home, and, and I'm like, why did, why did, and so, some days I wonder, why did we do this? Everything was so calm <laughs> before, but, but, it, but it's also so, incre- so incredible. And, you know, there's other ways even uh, this year where, where we're, we're in the process of making other decisions that are going to shake things up. We're exploring starting a, a small business, my wife and I, and, and just a, a number of things. And sometimes I wonder, what are we thinking? <laughs> but I feel this, this, this push in me. Honestly, when I read Genesis 2, and God is, is, is speaking, and, and we're learning about what man is supposed to be like, and this desire for Adam and Eve to, to rule and to reign and to expand and, and to govern. And I'm just challenged just to, to, to create, challenged to do something. I don't, I don't consider myself an entrepreneur at all, and I never wanted to be, but I'm challenged kind of doctrinally, theologically, to, to, to just expand, to grow, and to do other things. My wife is, uh, she leads our, our missions aspect of our church in Messina and, and pushing us you know, just to, to spread our borders a little bit. My daughter just got back from Uganda, and my wife is working in Colombia. We're in the middle of, of starting a church in, in South America, and we're like, what are we thinking? <laughs> a little, little, little church in a little town in, nor- in the northern New York, in Messina, New York, and we're working in Colombia. Like, who gave us permission to do that? <laughs> God, God did. You know, and, and if, it, if it's his will, then... Then we'll, then we'll see something happen there, and, and we're starting to see things happen there. But we take, we, we take bigger and bolder moves. And everything that's written about Jesus, everything that's, that's recorded in, in our scriptures, is not there just to give us history. We, are, we aren't given the stories of Jesus to have a historical account and just to have knowledge of Jesus. It's, given, it's written there for perspective. The, 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 the stories and the, and the parables and the thoughts that, that the apostles, the, the authors of the scripture pull out, the ones that they selected to pass down to us, they did so with intention. They wanted us to teach us something, to see something, to change, to change the way that we see. And so I want to look uh, for a second at Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to flip there. An extremely familiar passage in Matthew chapter 15. Verse, verse 29 says, Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. Uh, sometimes we read over those passages and don't let the weight of it hit us. He healed them all. The crowd was amazed. 
those who hadn't been able to speak were talking, the crippled were made well, the lame were walking, and the blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. The disciples replied, where would we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? They replied, seven loaves and a few small fish. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, gave them to his disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. They all ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were 4,000 men who were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Then Jesus sent the people home and he got into a boat and crossed over to the region of Megadon. Familiar passage, you probably heard it, if not read it yourself before. The setup for this passage, before we get to the feeding of, of this crowd, the setup is that a vast crowd brought to him those who were lame, blind, crippled, and couldn't speak, and many others. The setup to this is Jesus is healing all these people. He's doing miracle after miracle after miracle. The disciples have been following Jesus around for, for some time now, and they've been seeing what he's doing, and it's becoming a regular occurrence, and he's healing people here, and he's walking there, and people are coming along, and, and amazing stories are happening, and, and it's becoming a normal thing for his disciples, and maybe not, maybe not comprehending it, but they're just like, this is what Jesus does. Jesus performs miracles, so much so that crowds bring more and more to him because this is Jesus and he performs miracles. The disciples then are, are, find themselves in a situation where Jesus says, people are hungry. <laughs> we know what that feels like. And the disciples see a problem. And what do we do when we see a problem? You gotta find a solution. Well, the disciples think about the problem and they think about the possible solution and they think we don't have the resources to feed all these people so what are we going to do well what's the logical thing to do tell everybody to go get something to eat we can we can split up and we can, we can figure this out the disciples are walking around with jesus and he's performing miracle after miracle after miracle the blind are seeing the lame are walking just blowing the disciples' minds. And now we have another problem. We're hungry. <laughs> and the disciples think, I can't help with that. How often do we see a need, we see a problem, and we think, I don't have the resources. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the preparation. I don't have the ability to speak into that. And we abdicate responsibility for the problem that we see. That's, I, I think this is a normal, this isn't a crazy idea. I mean, I don't think anybody would really fault the disciples for thinking, I don't have food to feed a couple thousand people. <laughs> so they do what we all do and that we say, I, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what's needed. I don't have, I, don't ha I, can't, I can't meet this need. 
but the, but the setup here is Jesus is performing miracles. And even in that context, they're, they're realizing they don't have what, what is needed here. The problem is too big. You know, oftentimes we, we pray for a while, we pray for more, but then we just leave it in God's hands. <laughs> like, I, I'm just going to, we're going to pray, and we do this all the time, and, the, and it's appropriate to pray and to ask God. But there's, I think there can be something just internally, and only you know where that moment is, where it's like, God, you do what only you can do, and I, I, I'm going to tap out because I, I don't have what's needed here. But maybe you do. Maybe the disciples did, even though they couldn't see it. You know, what, whatever God is asking of you, and I think God is asking something of, of all of you because he's asking something of all of us, whatever he is asking of you, it's usually not realistic. <laughs> it's usually not something that you, can, you know you can do on your own. What God asks of us is not something that we know we can accomplish by ourselves. God is asking something that we need him to help us accomplish, that we need each other to help accomplish. In a, in a parallel passage to this, in Luke chapter 9, it says, Late in the afternoon, the twelve disciples came to him and said, Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. They wanted to push the problem away and do what they were able to do. But Jesus' response there, and, and his response in, in Matthew as well, is, you feed them. <laughs> they, they came up, they thought about it, they put their heads together, and they thought, okay, let's send everybody away in the nearby villages, we'll get this figured out, we'll accomplish this task, and then we'll, we'll move on from there. Well, they, they actually took responsibility, but then Jesus says, you feed them. Uh, with what? <laughs> how, how are we going to do that, Jesus? And the question that Jesus asked in, in Matthew is, well, what do you have in your hands? Where he says, uh, Matthew 16, 34, how much bread do you have? <laughs> they replied, seven loaves and a few small fish. Sometimes I love the, de the details that are recorded. Does it really matter if they were small <laughs> fish? I mean, if they were a few big fish, would that make any difference? And don't fishermen usually exaggerate? Maybe that's just now. We tend to exaggerate a little bit. Hold the, hold the phone just so it looks a little bigger than it actually is. Um, but they say we have seven loaves and a few small fish, just to really emphasize, we really don't have enough Jesus. <laughs> We really don't have what it takes. You know, when, when tragedy strikes, when, when things happen, yeah, I, I know, especially in, in, our, in, our, in our world that is consumed with, with social media, and I'm just as probably consumed as everybody else, but you know, we, we tend to, to say things on, on social media like our thoughts and prayers are with you. And sometimes, and 
I'm just going to tread lightly here. <laughs> Sometimes we just say our thoughts and our prayers are with you. And it's kind of like, okay, I can't do anything about that one. So our thoughts or prayers are with you. We're sending you our thoughts and prayers. And are, are we actually stopping and praying? Are we interceding? Are we asking God, is there anything else that I can do? Is there something that I can do in this moment? God, help me to see what could I do besides just offer our thoughts and prayers. And don't stop offering your thoughts and prayers. But sometimes a little action goes a, a long way. You know, I, I've been challenging myself um, in January. I don't know if you're like me, like, like everybody else. We, we try to set goals for ourselves as we start a new year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something more. And one of the, the challenges for myself was, you know, when, when a name pops into my head or a person pops into my mind, I'm going to challenge myself to send a text, to, to call, to go stop by, not to think, well, I don't want to bother them or, or I'll just pray for them or, or, or anything, but, but actually to, to make a step, to do something a, a little bit more. Because it's those steps so often that, that are so meaningful. When, when somebody out of the blue calls you or texts you and say, hey, I'm just thinking about you, praying for you, like what, that builds you up, right? Like when, when a baby is born, you know, we, we send meals or we buy little outfits or, or we do a number of things just, to, just to, to step in and to be a blessing and to just encourage or when, when a tragedy strikes or when somebody's sick to step in and, and just do something. We, we need to actually put action behind our thoughts and prayers. Though, keep having those thoughts and those prayers, but maybe a little bit more. You know, one of the most terrifying things that we, that we are invited to do as Christ followers is to give God everything. <laughs> you know, we, we say that, we pray that, but to actually do it is a little bit harder, <laughs> we all know, to give him everything. God, I give you everything. In, the, in this moment, the disciples gave Jesus, or at least told Jesus, everything that they had. We have seven loaves and a few small fish. This is everything we have, Jesus. We all, we all struggle with inadequacy, insecurity, wondering if we are enough, if we have enough, am I talented enough, smart enough, don't have enough money, but what I know to be true is that what you have is not static, meaning it's not, it's not the same that it's going to be forever. And I'm not just talking about money or resources or how much food is in your refrigerator. I'm talking about even what's inside of you, that where you're at, no matter what situation you find yourself in, you have the opportunity, the ability to change, to increase, to, to grow, to fail, and to stand up again, to lean in, to grow even in our understanding. We, we are not static, we are not fixed. We can be smarter. I know that you can be smarter because I have been dumber. <laughs> 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 I 
We have, we just, you're, we're not a set, you're not set in who you are, you know, so often we, we, we talk in ways like, well, this is who I am, and this is what is, what is real, but I don't think that's the way that God created us. He created us to grow, He created us to expand, He created us to, to influence, He created us to, to do, and not to just, to be stagnant, to be, to be static, to be, to be smarter next time, <laughs> To, to learn from our mistakes, to learn from, from where we are. But your intelligence is not fixed. I have, they have said I have seven loaves. We have seven loaves and a few small fish. And the question then is, Jesus, what do you want to do with it? <laughs> God, what do you want to do with what I have? Because what I have isn't much. <laughs> what do you want to do with it? No matter how talented you are, no matter how, many res- how much resources you have, no matter how, what your intelligence is, we need Jesus to expand what we have. Because in the end of the story, they had more than enough. I, I love these. Jesus doesn't just feed the crowds. He feeds them, and then they have basketfuls left over. It, it, that's what Jesus does. <laughs> they had more than enough. When, when we're generous, when we serve, when we love, we accomplish so much more. I, I, I love even the details of this story. Six, uh, Matthew sixteen thirty five. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and fish, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, and then listen to this, gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. And so what happened is, is Jesus says, well, what do you have? What do you have in your hands? Well, we got seven loaves and two small fish. They handed it over to Jesus. Uh, the parallel passage says that Jesus prayed. He lifted it up to heaven and he prayed and then he gave it back to the disciples. He didn't give cartonfuls of food back to the disciples. He gave seven loaves and two small fish back to the disciples. And then the disciples distributed it. The miracle that happened that day happened through the hands of the disciples. It wouldn't have happened without Jesus. It doesn't happen without the Father. It doesn't happen without the Holy Spirit. But the miracle that happened that, that, happened that day happened through the hands of the disciples. The disciples had their hands active in the miracle. The disciples distributed. Jesus didn't feed 5,000 people, 5,000 men. The disciples did. Jesus ultimately did. (laughs) Our creator did. But it happened through the disciples' hands. I love this, this nuance because what it means for me is whatever I have, which sometimes isn't very much, oftentimes isn't very much, like the disciples, I can put it in Jesus's hands. He blesses it. He prays for it. He lifts it up to the Father. And then he says, okay, here you go. Take, I'm giving it back to you. Now go do something with it. <laughs> Beyond comprehension. The disciples distributed the food to the crowd. They had more than they thought they did. I I really believe that you have more than you think you do. 
I believe that I have more than I think I do. I don't know where it's going to come from or <laughs> what it's going to look like, but I know just trusting who Jesus is, who our Father is, who our Creator is, if I, if I trust who He is, then I know that He has the ability to do more with what I have than I have the ability to do with, with what I have. That even if you gave me a million dollars, I'm not going to be the... <laughs> That's probably not a wise decision because I don't know what to do with a million dollars. That's like when people win the lottery, you know, all the statistics say that they end up worse off after a f short period of time than they were before they won. It's because they weren't prepared to, to spend it wisely. They were already not making wise decisions. And now you give them a bunch of money and they continue to not make, not make wise decisions, generally speaking. But I know that if I put what I have into God's hands, he can do something amazing with it. And even, even in, in this moment and the decision that, that you guys have about you know, what to do with the parsonage and, and putting out there, asking for someone to come and, and asking for applications to pastor and all the things that you're doing and even gathering together, you know, uh, the dinner groups and coming together as, as, as men and women and going through the, the, those studies together putting what you have in Jesus' hands and saying, okay, Jesus, I trust you with what I have. Multiply it. You can't do it. I can't do it. But your hands and feet are going to be a part of making it happen. I believe that. You guys have amazing resources. This, this facility is spectacular what you what you how you've cared for it what you what you've done with it you know the, your worship and and all of it. it it's it's incredible what what you have is so great and so now we just need to say god okay we have this we've been faithful we're giving we're, we're making tough decisions but god multiply it multiply our efforts let's let's see katieville reached let's see let's see people come to know you let's see people find wholeness and freedom Let, let's see people meet the god that, that you know the, that whatever whatever god has done in you whatever god has done for you and whatever god has done with you you have the ability to do that for somebody else to show that to, to share your story to share your faith to share what has happened in you so that more people can experience it Matthew 16, 15, Matthew 6, 15 says, if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Why did I bring that one up? <laughs> we have to engage in, in these things. It's like Jesus already has forgiven all of us, but if we don't practice what, what he asks of us, if we don't live it out, then there's, there's a stop in it. Uh, kind of jumped into that passage without context. If, you forg if Jesus said, if you for refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. The, the principle here, as, as, I've, as I've already said, is if we stop God from doing what God wants to do in, in a situation, it, it stops. If we don't allow, we're invited to forgive. We're invited to, to engage. We're invited to receive forgiveness. 
but we have to, we have to engage it. We have to follow it through, even in forgiving those who have wronged us, forgiving those who have hurt us, because when we do those things, it releases forgiveness. It releases um, a number of things. You won't, you won't find love until you love. You, you won't find grace until you share it. You won't find forgiveness until you forgive. You won't find compassion until you give it. So Jesus is asking us to trust him and allow him to put his intention on what we have. You know, I, I like coffee. You guys have a, a coffee bar back there. I'm, I'm a big fan <laughs> of coffee. You know, um, have you ever given up coffee? Uh, if you like coffee, have you ever given up coffee for a season? Or, or take anything. You like Diet Coke <laughs> or you like pizza. And, and you give it up for a season. Just imagine, go with me here, you don't drink coffee for three weeks. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, no big deal. Uh, others of you are thinking, you don't want to meet me tomorrow <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you give up something, take coffee, I like coffee, for three weeks. And then you put the, the grounds in the machine or the K-cup or whatever it is, however you do it, and, and you take that first sip after three weeks, and it's like, oh, man, this is good. <laughs> I missed this. The coffee is the coffee. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's nothing changed from the coffee you had three weeks before the coffee you had in, in that moment. But what changed is your perspective. How you... You had a, a little bit of a shift. You, you, you went without for a season and then you re-engage and you're like, oh, this is so good. I love opening up a fresh bag of coffee and just the aroma that, that comes up and it's just, uh, it smells so good. And my son back there says, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but, but I say, yes, it, it does. So when, when sometimes we need to change our perspective on what is right in front of us, change our perspective on how much money is actually in our bank account. Change our perspective on, you know, what is sitting next to us. Change our perspective on what, what we have. What, Jesus, what can you do with what I already have? Because I, I do believe that you already have more than you think you do. And that's, that doesn't mean that God's not going to pour in more. That doesn't mean that the resources aren't going to come or that circumstances aren't going to change. But if we can change our perspective on what we already have and, and ask Jesus to put his intention on it, to put his multiplication on it, we can see more happen. Even in our lack, even in our suffering, going back to the James passage, um, James chapter 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. In this passage, the only thing that grew is your endurance. <laughs> the only thing that grew is, is your faith. And yet he describes that when your faith grows, when your endurance is, is tested, when your endurance grows, when your patience grows, you will be complete, perfect and complete, needing nothing. I'm in the 
I'd like to think I'm in the middle of my story. <laughs> that would be, that'd be, that'd be good, about the middle of my story. But you are also, no matter where you're at, you're also in the middle of your story. You know, whether you have 80 more years left or 20 more years left or whatever you have left, you're in the middle of your story. God's not done with you yet. He has something for you to do, somebody for you to encourage, somebody for you to love, somebody for you to forgive, somebody for you to invite, somebody for you to, to share, something for you to do. So I want us to reflect on that for a moment. We're going we're gonna to sing uh, the goodness of God. And just, I invite you that as, as we sing, as, as we take this moment to reflect, to ask, ask if, if you would, ask the Holy Spirit to highlight something in you that you already have that God wants to do something more with. Say, God, what do I have? I don't feel like I have anything. I don't feel like I have what's needed. I don't feel like I have what it's going to take. But Jesus, what do you want to multiply in my life today, this week, this month, this year? Jesus, Holy Spirit, what do you want to highlight? And, and be quiet before him for a moment. Don't, don't try to manufacture on your own because I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you right now and tell you, tell you what he wants to highlight to multiply. Let's sing together. discover that you have more than you think you do. As James said, may you, may your, as your faith is tested and your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when, you're, when, you're, when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. May you feel that, may you know that, that you are perfect and complete, needing nothing, because you have what you need, you have what you, God gave you. And not that he's not going to pour more in, but he wants to take what you have today. He wants to take what you have this week, this year, and multiply it. God, I, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this community. I thank you for this community within this community. God, what you are doing here in this place, what you've done for each one of us that are gathered here, each one of us that are tuning in online, each one of us that will, that will listen to this at another time. God, have you, you've brought us to this place. And you've, you've put certain things into our hands that we just need to change our perspective on and to expect a multiplication to happen, expect a growth to happen, and then to play a part in that, not just waiting for you to make it happen, but to say, how, how am I going to contribute? How am I going to, going, going to distribute what I have and see amazing things happen? God, we thank you for what you're doing, God, and we, we look forward to the future with hope. We look forward to the future with with faith and trust that you 
haven't left us, that you have given us everything that we need and you're going to continue to do that. And we, we look out at the future with eager expectation, leaning into it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for worshiping with, with me and for including me today. God bless.